So this morning, um, kind of, I kind of told the group on Wednesday night we were going to be looking at this this morning. So if you missed Wednesday night, that's okay. Well, I mean, it's not okay. You should come Wednesday night. You should. It would encourage uh, everybody, including yourself. But I mean, if you missed that I said, that's okay. We're looking at Psalm 114. Psalm 114 this morning. You know, I've learned that if you smile, they smile back. So that's why I smile. But the truth is you don't see that I might be smiling at the guy next to you sound asleep. No, I, or, or the girl next, or the guy behind you with their mouth open. Every now and then when I raise my voice, don't be offended. I'm just helping those ones stay awake. <laughs> it's all good. When Israel went out from Egypt and the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back. O mountains, that you skip like rams. O hills, like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. That's it. That is Psalm 114. And believe it or not, it is a psalm of praise. It's actually a psalm called Hillel. It's a psalm that the um, Jewish people would, would sing during their time of festivities. Uh, a matter of fact, it is believed that Jesus and his disciples sung this psalm that night when they had their last supper together, just before the Lord was en route to the Garden of Gethsemane. Imagine that. Just park that in your mind and remember Jesus the Rock sang this song with his disciples just before going to Gethsemane. It could become more clear to you if you're listening to what the Lord is saying. But we're in a society, and I don't know if your Facebook or your social media, TikTok, uh, what are they all out there? It doesn't matter. Don't name them. They're all corrupt. But if, if, you, if you have them on your phone or your computer, like there's this thing, this new trend, narcissism. Every other thing, it talks about somebody being a narcissist and nine signs you work for a narcissist or nine signs you're married to a narcissist. And what, you know what I mean? A hundred signs you're reading the worst thing in the world. That's just my insert. Don't believe social media. But what it, does it boil down to? It boils down to the world is desiring for control. The world is desiring for power. Some of these uh, individuals, and my sermon is not at all about narcissism, not one zero bit. It's just an illustration of individuals that seek for power over other things, people, 
over, and, and that could be in a multitude of ways, but they're hungry to experience a power. But there ought to be only one power that you and I hunger and thirst to experience. And that is the power of God. Hungry to experience the power of God at work within my life, at work within our midst this morning. Hungry to know that the work that is happening among us is not one that has been worked up, but it is one that is happening because of the actual evidence that Christ himself is here, that Jesus in the presence of Jesus is here. And that is why we feel his power. That is why we see his power. That is why we experience his power. It wasn't because somebody mustered it up within you. Hungry to be a part of something that can't be explained by the terms of man but only by the terms of God. I can't explain what you're experiencing. I can't explain what has happened to you. But what I could say, what I saw, I no longer see. I can't explain to you this individual. They used to be like this. You're in a workplace. What's happened to you? You used to be like this, but now you seem to be so different. When the power of God invades your life, there will be change and transformation. And that's the power we need to be hungry for. And so that's where we find ourselves in this morning, the Psalm 114. It is a song of praise because there was a demonstration of God's power in amongst his people. What was that power? Well, the Psalm opened and said when Israel went out from Egypt. Well, what was going on? If we were to go to Exodus chapter 6, we see that, that God speaks to Moses. And he tells Moses that he's to go to, a, to Pharaoh and to, let, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But Moses is kind of concerned. Like, if I'm going to go to this king, what am I going to say to him? Like, who am I? Who will I tell him sent me? And God says to him, tell them I am that I am the almighty God and mighty one has sent you. I'm going to bring you out, Moses. I'm going to bring these people out from under Pharaoh's hand. I'm going to bring them out from under the, the control. Because why? I've heard their groanings. I've heard their complainings. I've heard, and have you ever been in that place where you're just groaning before the Lord in the desperation because you just feel locked in a situation? You just feel held captive by something. There is something troubling you so deep within. And and it has held you bound. And these people of Israel were held bound, held bound by Pharaoh. They were under his cruel, hard labor regime. But God wants to, wanted to bring his people out of the hands of Pharaoh into the country that he had for them. Tell them that I am, that I am, has sent you, Moses. And not only... That, but Moses, once he, when he has this, this job description laid before him, this, this assignment from God to go before the king, surely God must be mistaken. 
because God, I stutter. I stutter. And, and we haven't heard that Moses has stuttered up to this point. Now all of a sudden, Moses stutters. I think it was a situational stutter. You ever have that? Where somebody says, well, why did you do that? Every child has had a situational stutter. I want to know why you did that. Because. I think there's no reason for a because I want an answer. I believe Moses was in a situational stutter. It's my, just my... But he says, God, I can't go before him. I stutter. Moses... If God has called you to go and speak to Pharaoh, then surely God is going to equip you. And you're worried about a stutter? You're worried about whether or not you're going to stammer? And so the verses say, When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from the people of strange language, Judah became a sanctuary in Israel, his dominion. So God leads them out from under Pharaoh's hand. But according to Exodus chapter 13, he doesn't lead them the way that seems to be the quickest and the easiest. Don't you just love God? Oh no, to the wilderness for you. And the long way and the journey way. And what? He's going to teach them a little bit of something. And while they're walking through this wilderness, and while it is hot, and while it is arduous, God provides them with his protection. Have, can you see yourself in their shoes? Why does it seem like everything I have to do has to come the hard way? Why does it seem that I have to journey in this way? This is bigger than me. Imagine then as they walk around, because Exodus 13, it said this, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, least the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Now imagine journeying all those days in the wilderness through the scorching heat. And then when you come to what seems to be the end, what is before you yet another obstacle, a body of water? What is behind you but the enemy? And, and you feel sandwiched between the roadblock that's in front of you and the enemy that is behind you and you can't go forward and you can't go back. And what happens? You feel like you are hedged into that place. And Lord, what have I gotten myself into? Moses didn't have any sort of a GPS recalibrating, detour ahead, yield, construction, traffic. There was no calibration here going on with no GPS system. Moses had to uh, trust God. And rest assured this morning, God sees exactly where you are, exactly what you're up against, what is behind you, what you have journeyed through, and all along, he has been with you. He knows your way, he sees the big picture, and he has good in store. He has good in store. 
So it might not be the way that I've perhaps chosen or the way you've perhaps chosen, but we can trust him in his sovereignty, that he has a perfect plan. So the latter part of that Exodus 13 in verses 21 and 22 said, And the Lord went before them, what, by day? pillar of cloud and to lead them along the way and by night a pillar of fire why to give them light that they might travel by day and by night the cloud the pillar of cloud in case you didn't get in verse 21 god feels like he needs to say it again the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Whether or not we will recognize it, God's presence does not depart from us. He was there with them. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I am trusting in your word, Lord, then you're leading me in the way. You're lighting my path. Isaiah 58, 11, I love this. And the Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will guide you continually. Not just today. Not as long as you're, as long as you're doing this, that, or, or meeting the qualifications. The Lord will guide you continu continually and satisfy your desire in what? Scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, who waters do not fail. He's with you continually. And when you feel like you're in a scorched place, when you feel like you're dried up, burnt out, and have no more resources to draw, draw, draw upon, he is there to, to make you to realize that you are in a well-watered place. Well taken care of. Why? Because he is with us. He gives us wisdom according to James. He said, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he will freely give to you. He provides us direction. He will lead us in the way that we should go according to Psalm 32 verse 8. He will lead us in the way that we should go, and our ears will hear him. Isaiah 52, verse 12 says that the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. He gives us wisdom. He leads us. He guides us. He goes before us. He is our rear guard. Don't you think when you came up to the precipice of the Red Sea and the enemy was behind you that the Lord was not your rear guard? He is your rear guard today just as he was their rear guard. The key is walking in his ways and being obedient to his voice. Coming out and being separated. Be separated from them. Why? What did, the, what did the verse go on to say? That day when Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language. They were not of that people group. God did not intend for them to be a part of that people group. Why? Because Pete, well, how does Peter say it? You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that has been set apart. 
If God sees you as a people that has been set apart, a holy nation, he is calling the children of Israel out from the one that is uh, their oppressor, the one that is oppressing them, and they had to be separated from them. That is what he calls us to do. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are to be separate from the world. We are to be the light that is in the darkness. We are to be the one that reflects the one who is living in us. Because as we are being that separated one, as we are being that one that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ, then what happens? Then others are being drawn to us. We must separate ourselves so that the true power of God, the spiritual power of God, can operate in and through us. What does Romans 12 and 2 say? Do not conform yourself to the world, but be ye transformed. What? By the renewing of your mind. You see, here was the dilemma. Israel liked to complain. Look, Moses, we have no water. Look, Moses, we're here working. And look, Moses, the enemy. And all they did was complain about the dilemma that they were in. And they neither saw or recognized the power of God that was with them. Moses, when he said to God, how can I go to Pharaoh? How can I go and speak to Pharaoh because I have a stutter? He was seeing himself in the limited fashion of what he saw was an was a inhibition on him or a limitation on him. I cannot speak. I cannot speak. Moses saw himself limited. Did this Moses already forget the burning bush experience where God appeared to him, where God spoke to him from the burning bush and and told him that he was going to go and lead the people? Did, Did Moses already forget the encounter that he had with God that now once he was given an assignment to go before the people, go before the princes and kings of the land, go Go before the authorities and let them know that, oh, now I cannot do it. Isn't that the way we are? We, all, we forget very quickly what God has done for us, what God has pulled us through, times when God empowered us in the moment, when the scripture says, be ready in any season to give an answer for what you believe. How did you give an answer? Why? Because the Spirit of God was quickened within you. How are you ready? Because each day you took time to to reflect and meditate upon His Word. Each day you took time to pray and, and to consecrate yourself before Him, to have communion with Him. And so when we are able to walk in the fellowship of the Lord, then the answers are able to come. And here is Moses. He's already forgotten what God has spoken to him what God has already done and that's you and I we forget how God has brought us through in the past how God provided in the past how God healed in the past and now all of a sudden we're in a situation again and he's calling us to trust him to step out to believe his word again to obey his voice and we are stuck He wants us to believe in the demonstration of his power. You see, the first thing that's happening here in verses 1 and 2, 
is learning to tremble at the power of God's deliverance. If you could recognize the times when God has delivered you in your life, in situations that you don't even know how you got into, let alone get out of, you will tremble at the power of God. Israel was in that situation, oppressed under Pharaoh, oppressed under his governance, but God was calling them out. God was calling them out from under that oppression to be separate from that. And, they had, and, and Moses, who is to lead them, had already forgotten. But when we think as we should, and we feel as we should, and we follow the, the Lord's leading pattern, then we're going to live out as we should. Judah became what? His sanctuary. Judah beca- Israel became his dominion. He delivered them, why? So that he could be the, their dwelling place. That they could be his servants. That they could be his sanctuary. God wanted the the people to remember that he was the Lord that brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of his house of slavery, according to Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, out of the house of slavery. God wanted them to remember, and each time they came together to celebrate their feasts, They would sing this song of deliverance. They would sing this song to give praise to God for what he had done. Why does it say that Judah was his sanctuary? Well, Judah was the principal leading nation. It was the principal tribe, I should say, where power, everything was consecrated within that group. But out of Judah was going to come what? The Messiah. Out of Judah was going to come the Messiah. And so he, it, Judah was to be his home. Judah was to be his abode. Judah was to be his sacred dwelling place. But then we have Israel. Israel is his dominion. Why? Because Israel is a nation that he ruled. Israel is a nation that was under his law when he gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. Israel was a nation that he governed by his presence. And it was a nation of which he was the recognized king. Wherever the king dwells, wherever the king has dominion, rulership, he dwell, it, it, it is his dominion. Wherever the king resides is his dominion. Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The very power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and I. Do we believe that today? So if we believe that today, then we can understand how Judah is his sanctuary because the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. 
You see, you don't understand that when you go from here to there, when you are in your workplace, when you are in your home, God's presence is always with you. I believe that we would do less of the things that we do do if we took recognition of the presence of God who is with us and who is in us. Some of the struggles we say, oh, I, I, I just can't. I just can't help it. I don't know what it is. Well, then you're not recognizing the presence of God that is in, within you, or you did not fully yield yourself to him when you came to him for salvation. When you came to him and, and prayed, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Come have dominion. Come dwell within me. Make my life that living sanctuary. Come have rulership and authority over my life. When you prayed that prayer and you believed that Jesus came and he forgave you of your sins and he, and he was your savior and you believe that, then why is there a struggle with what is holding you bound? Well, it's too quiet. Why is there a struggle? Don't cause Jesus to choke on your cigarette. That's just a joke, but just consider it. If the presence of Christ is dwelling within you, and you're struggling with something, you know what? We all struggle with something. We tend to pull out in sermon illustrations, oh, the obvious ones, the, the, the drugs, the alcohol, the cigarettes, the, the sexual immorality. But, oh, how about self-hate? How about insecurity? Maybe if we would recognize the Christ that is within us and we would know that that power that raised him from the dead is within us, we would not struggle with what plagues us. Israel, his dominion. Judah, his sanctuary. Let's go to verses 3 to 6. Trembling at the power, at his power over creation. Trembling first at the power of his deliverance. But now we transition in the psalm to recognizing and trembling at, the pow, at his power over creation. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams and like lambs. They came to the Red Sea, and what happened? The Lord called Moses to put out his staff. And what did the Red Sea do? At the presence of the Lord, the Red Sea parted so that the children of Israel were able to go forth on dry land. At the presence of the Lord, the sea parted. Have you ever been to the beach? Have you ever had the waves roll up on your feet? Furthermore, have you gone into the ocean? and felt the power of those waves as it rolls over you. I'm not talking about the Dead Sea where you float. 
I'm talking about when you go into the ocean and the ocean power, the power of the waves knock you over. There is nothing that you could do that could stop the power of those waves. But at the presence of Jesus, they parted. At the presence of Jesus, they parted. Lord, I'm in this situation right now. It's like a tidal wave. It just keeps knocking me over. The waves just keep, every time I get up and I'm choking on the salt water, it just keeps knocking me over. Lord, would you speak your presence and the waves part. Speak the presence of Jesus into your situation that keeps coming against you. The sea looked and fled. And the sea saw the power and presence of God. It wasn't Moses' staff. The staff was an illustration of his power for the children of Israel. But it wasn't Moses' staff. It was God's power and presence that caused the sea to look and flee. It worked on Israel's behalf. And it works on our behalf today. Are you willing today to live that separated, set-apart life for God? The sea looked and fled. Nature recognizes the power of God. Pastor Julio quoted it when he came up, that the rocks and the hills will cry out. How come we are allowing the rocks and the hills to cry louder than us today? What's happening out in the, in the East Coast? Is there not some floodings taking place? The power of God that is, that is manifesting in nature. Right now, the earth is trembling at the power of God. We're here saying, God, where are you? But the earth is preparing for his grand entrance. The earth is preparing. We're saying, God, how much longer in this mess? But the earth is preparing with the amount of tornadoes and earthquakes that is taking place. The earth is preparing. The very presence of God had such an effect on the sea, the mountains, and the little hills. And it caused them to tremble. It caused them to part. What's our problem? What's your problem this morning? What's my problem? What holds you back from worshiping God? These are not even, these are in, in, how do you say it? Inordinate? Okay. I can speak. (laughs) Believe it or not, I can speak. But a tree can't speak. But a tree can worship God. The ocean can't speak. But the ocean daily worships God in its thunderous waves. The heavens can't speak, but they thunder and they rain. But what's the matter with us that we cannot? Recognize the power of God and and worship God and tremble at his presence and power over creation. 
You know, when the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 3 came to uh, the, the Jordan River, what happened was that the Lord said to them, listen, you haven't been this way before. Now you and I would think that and say, well, what about the Red Sea? No, the Lord was bringing them into a new place. And he said to them, that they were going to cross over and to what? Stay, stay attentive, be aware, because what the Lord was going to do great things among them that day. You think that the problem looks familiar? You think what's coming against you looks familiar? The only familiar thing that is familiar is the enemy operating behind it. But the Lord is going to bring you into that new place when you cross over, when you recognize the power and tremble at his power when you stop doing it your way your how bringing the solutions your way your how going to google helps going to safari and searching on the internet oh i don't like that answer and we search for all the answers to our life's problems on the couch of a counselor, on the internet, and there's nothing wrong with going to counselors, please, I've been, so just, just disregard that as, as a slant. It's not. I'm saying don't go to resources if you haven't been to God. If you went to God first, at least he could use the resources. The children of Israel... In Joshua 3, verses 4 to 7, if you read it for yourself, the Lord was going to part that body of water for them. But here it says, the mountains skipped like rams, and the hills like rams, skipping meaning that there was joy in their hearts. You know what it's alluding to when it's speaking of the mountain skipping like rams? It's talking about when Moses was up on Mount Sinai and the Lord was going to deliver him the Ten Commandments. And what happened when the Lord delivered Moses the Ten Commandments? What happened with the mountains? It says in verse 18, Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it like fire. And what? The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. When the Lord has them to sing this song before their time of feast of festivals or, or their time of, of succoth, before they do these feasts and they sing this song of deliverance and they are remembering the praise, they are giving acknowledgement, their heart is trembling before them in a holy reverential fear. God, you have delivered us from the oppression of the enemy called Pharaoh? What Pharaoh is in your life? What Pharaoh do you need to read this psalm to this morning? And then as they remembered how God delivered them out from the hand of Pharaoh and their, and their hearts trembled within them in praise at what God had done for them, then they recalled even how nature responded to God. 
in the trembling of the mountains, in the parting of the sea, in the parting of the waters of Jordan, are you today as enamored and taken back in awe of God as they were? That they sang this eight, nine times a year. As they sang this, perhaps in even their quiet of times, remembering of God's goodness. At the presence of the Lord, the mountains tremble, but you and I remain tightly shut up, like a Jericho fortitude. Nothing can come in us and nothing can come out of us, and don't dare ask me to stand and worship. I just feel like sitting down. You don't know how mad I am today. The kids, they got me upset, and the husband got me upset, and the wife got me upset. And we sit reserved, and the mountain responds to God in fear and reverence, but we hold back. Oh, that's not the kind of Christian I am. I'm, I'm kind of like more reserved in my style of worship. I, I, like, I, I'm not for all that stuff. That's okay, but acknowledge the presence of God and give worship to where worship is due. If you went to a ball game and your favorite player hit a home run, are you not going to go, yeah, that's it, that's, that's it, that's my man, he got, and, and are you not going to cheer? If your kid was on the soccer field and they scored a goal, are you not going to run down the field going, that's my son, that's my daughter, they got that, that's mine, are you not going to cheer? But you have a problem in church, you're so reserved. That's just not how I worship. I remember one day I was at Brayside Camp in in Paris, Ontario, not France, and um, they were were, uh, singing this song. (laughs) And kind of like one of those, look what the Lord has done. You know, kind of like one of those. And... um, Anyways, it was like, shake off those heavy chains. I don't even remember what song it was, but it was all about that. (laughs) Why I'm saying I don't remember it, because I don't dare want to sing it to you, okay? (laughs) Just trust me, it was one of those happy ones that required you to do a little bit of jumping and a little bit of believing that God had done something. So here I am, you know, born and raised in the Pentecostal churches, you know, and uh, like, like the pew was my teething ring, if you want to say. And um, <laughs> there I am. And I'm looking around. And, and I had just come through a like, season in my life that I felt was dark and heavy and huh, burdensome. And so something was in me saying, just Melody, just dance. And I'm like, I don't do that. I'm a pastor's daughter. We don't dance in church. <laughs> right? And it just would not leave me alone. It just was compelling me and compelling me. Melody, just let it go. I promise you, that little reserved Pentecostal girl, Sister Gloria, she got a jumping, and she got it doing this, and she got it doing that. And I'm telling you, every single one of those burdens and weights that was holding me bound, that made me feel like, oh, I'm just so discouraged, they all went. I don't know, they were somewhere under my feet. (laughs) Under my feet. 
Why? Because I recognized what the Lord had done. But what did I have to do? I had to be obedient to his voice. I had to be obedient to his voice. I just want to know somebody, just one of you here this morning, that's willing to be obedient to the voice of God. You know, that actually hurt my ankle. <laughs> because when I was away, I, this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fit this in with the sermon. But when I was away, sometimes we are on roads we're not sure of. Sometimes we are walking in territories that's just unknown. And so here I am with my daughter, and we had gone to a, do a little bit of shopping, and um, I had shoes on. And I'm walking, because we do wear shoes when we walk. And, and, and I'm walking, and I fell. I fell. But there was nothing there to trip me up, Sister Novelet. When I looked, the, the, the sidewalk was straight. It was level. So I got myself up as graceful as I could, and I fell again. I took those shoes, and I walked them over to the garbage can, and I threw them in. I said, you devil of a, of a shoe, you're going in the garbage right now. Anyways, so for a few days, I had a sore ankle, and guess what? Well, by the end of the service, it'll go. But it was, I was on new terrain. I just want to know if there's people in here this morning that will, tremble, that will tremble at the recognition of God's power over his creation. And by that, I mean two things. I mean the trees and the rocks and the hills and the mountains and the sky and the earth. I mean the terrain. But at his creation, I mean you. Will you tremble at the presence of his power? Tremble at his hand of deliverance over your life. Tremble at his power over his creation. God, you have all the power over my life. God, you have all the dominion. May my life be your living sanctuary where you live, rule, and reign and have preeminence over everything. Lord, may you take full control of my mind that you lead me and guide me into wise decisions. That, Lord, even when the enemy may be pressing in, I know you are my rear guard. Because you're his creation. He created you. He formed you. And while you were there in that dark place called your mom's womb, he watched over every detail of your life. He watched your fingers spring forth. He watched you as you sucked your thumb in your mom's womb. As you swam around in there, and while you were in that dark, secret place, every one of the details of your days was written in his book. You are his creation. Can you tremble in praise of your creator this morning?
the last thing we see. Oh, one more thing. The psalmist said, hey, what ails you? What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back? He was just reminding the sea. It's, a, it's kind of one of those questions that he already knows the answer, because he does. What ails you? You're powerless. I just want to remind you, O sea, that without me, you are powerless. You are powerless. The, the mountains were not able to even stand in the presence of the Lord. And you and I get on a mountaintop and we go, oh, I can't even look over the edge. You and I put foot, how many people in here are afraid of water? Afraid of going swimming, afraid of the ocean. We put our foot in the water and we're afraid. Well, the very presence of God the mountain and the seas, the mountains tremble and the seas separate. We stand resisting his powers because we won't surrender to his control. But Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11 says this, that therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that what? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be a day that every single one of us will get into the presence of God and we will kneel before him and we will say, Lord, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. And we will worship him. And I want to tell you this, even for those of you that may be here today that haven't even made that choice or those that are in the world that have not made that choice, Every knee under heaven and on earth will bow. And they will either bow in one of two ways. In reverence and awe of who he is. Or in fear for what they did not surrender to. You choose today. To what power will you submit to? What is operating? What is at the seat of your heart? What dominates your day? What governs your attitude? What governs the way you walk and talk? That is the thing that has dominion over you. But God says, come away. Separate yourself. Be separate. Verse 7 and 8. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Tremble this morning at the power of who he is. Tremble at his power to deliver Tremble at his power over creation. Tremble at the power of who he is today. Because when we see this, 
who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. It's of when Moses was told in Exodus 17, the children of Israel were complaining that they were thirsty and the Lord was to, the, the Lord speaks to Moses and he tells Moses to strike the rock. And as Moses struck the rock, the water came forth and it was refreshing to the people. It also speaks of the time when Moses, uh, later on in Numbers, chapter 20, again, the people were complaining. And so Moses and Aaron went into the sanctuary of the Lord and they bowed before the Lord. And the Lord instructed Moses to go out before the people. But this time, Moses wasn't to strike the rock. Moses was to speak to the rock. And you know what Moses did? He did what was familiar. He did what you and I do. Our old habits, our old ways. And he struck the rock. But water came forth nonetheless. But because of that, what happened to Moses and Aaron, they were not going to see the blessing of the Lord. Because they didn't obey. Remember the beginning? It takes our obedience. Psalm 78, 35 says this, they remembered that God was their rock, the most high, their redeemer. But who is this rock that burst forth water, that gave streams of refreshing Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that the rock all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. And the rock was Christ. Are you having problems trembling at who he is? Then you are dry and you are thirsty. And the answer to your thirsty soul is the rock. The rock is Christ. And you need to just in faith go, God, I am calling out to you as Moses called out and as Moses struck to the rock. And Lord, as you instructed Moses to speak to the rock, God, I'm speaking out to you. Come into this dry and thirsty place of my life. Come, God. God, why is it that I struggle to understand why I need to tremble at your presence? Why do I hesitate to jump and, and to leap and, and praise and glory to your name? Not drawing attention to myself, but in praise that God, look what you have done. The rock is Jesus. And so we tremble. We tremble at the power of God to redeem Because there in Isaiah 53, it speaks of how Jesus was beaten and smitten for us. Jesus is that rock. And he was beaten. And he was smitten. And God comes to bring that power of refreshing. See here, catch the picture. Jesus is ministering to the lady at the woman of the well, and he comes, and he's thirsty, the Samaritan woman. And you know the story. So I'll capsulize it, and he says to her, I'm thirsty, and she's like, wait a second. But you see, like, I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew, and this is just not the right plane 
in which we operate. We don't exchange this way. The story goes on and he says, if you knew who was asking you of water, you would give it because why? What he had to give her was streams of living water, something that would flourish and, and nurture within her, something that would spring forth and, and that she would, as a result of taking of it, never thirst again. You see, what the Samaritan woman didn't realize, that the rock, Jesus Christ himself, was there. The rock where the water flowed from was there. And he was saying to her, I am here to bring you streams of refreshing. And if you, if you call out to me and you partake of me, then you will see that out of your belly will flow what? Streams of living water. In essence, if we were to marry that verse in with this story of John 4. 21 to 26, it says this, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is for the Jews, but the hour is coming and the hour is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. I'm the rock. I'm the rock. And I'm here to bring you streams of refreshing. Can we tremble at the knowledge of who he is? Can we tremble this morning? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob. All along in this psalm, the psalmist has not said who he was that delivered them, who his... It just used the pronoun, but now in the latter, in the grand finale conclusion, it calls our, our attention to know that the presence, this one that we are to tremble at, is the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Adonai, the God of Jacob. Can you tremble this morning at the power of who he is? When you're between a rock and a hard place. That's where the children of Israel were. They were between a rock and a hard place, grumbling because they were thirsty. But the Lord brought them in. It says here that the rock was turned into standing water and the flint into a fountain of water. Ezekiel says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I'm going to remove that heart of stone that is within you and put a heart of flesh. The Lord wants to work within your life today. But will you tremble at his power? Will you believe him? I want to close with reading this verse. It's from Isaiah 43, 1-7. 
And I'm going to read it from the message translation, so if you just want to listen, you could. They, they'll put it up there in the ESV. But I just really liked the way it wrote in the message. But now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you were in over your head, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am your God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. To trade creation just for you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. I'll round up all of your scattered children, pull them in from the east and the west. I'll send orders to the north and the south, send them back. Return my sons from the distant lands, my daughter from the faraway places. I want them back, every last one who bears my name, every man, every woman and child who I created for my glory, yes, personally formed and made each one. Tremble today before the Lord at his deliverance in your life. All that he has delivered you from. Tremble today at the Lord at his power over creation. Not just over the earth, the land, and the sky, but over you. Surrender that power to him. And finally today, tremble at the power of who he is. Because he who has called you is faithful. And he paid a high price for you. A high price. Because he loves you. And he spoke into my heart Wednesday morning, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's the first Words I heard as I opened my eyes, I heard it in my ear. I have loved you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an everlasting love. Why be still? Tremble at the power of who he is and let everything that is in your life that is not bringing glory to him, everything that is in your life that is holding you back from what he has for you, everything that is in your life that bears a false representation of who he created it, you to be, let everything that needs to be shaken, shaken by the power of God in you this morning. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. And then I want to make an altar appeal for you. But I want you to look into the cavern of your heart this morning. Because you know you and I know me. And there's some shaking 
that needs to take place. Because the Lord is coming and I want to be one that's giving him glory and honor, not fearful for what I failed to do.